Welcome to another episode of the Racing Air Podcast. I'm your host, Trent Barr. And um, on the line with me is a gentleman who happens to be the president of a group that I love, enjoy, I enjoy attending every year. It's in the spring and also the fall. The classic sports racing group, the CSRG, uh, holds its annual uh, David Love Memorial Races at Sonoma Raceway in early April of every year. And they also have a uh, a very fantastic event that happens in October of uh, the year. It's called the CSRG Charity Challenge, and there's a few other events that happen. So, Locke to Brettville, how are you today, sir? Great to talk to you. Fine, thank you. I uh, hope all is well with you. Yes, it is. Um, I'm really looking forward to the David Love Vintage Races next week, and uh, I'm hoping uh, hoping your Palister is ready to go. Uh, yeah, I've, I've actually been uh, um, avoiding going down there because there's been a lot of work to do to kind of get ready for the race, uh, just just in terms of the club. Uh, but you know, I'll, I'll go down and, and change the gears and do some stuff like that, and it, it shouldn't. Well, famous last words: it shouldn't be an issue come uh, come next weekend. That's cool. Now, are, is is the media going to come down, or is that usually the uh, well, like Channel Two? Do they usually come down for the charity challenge just to inform people about it? Well, they kind of do a rotational thing. It it's always kind of a pig in a poke as far as who might show up and. Uh, uh, you know, they'll come to us one year and then they'll go to another event up there. And, and, uh, uh, so we, we never really know. I mean, they just frankly show up, but I think, I think in the age of COVID, uh, they're less inclined, uh, certainly last year, uh, it fell on deaf ears for them to come to any of the races. Oh yeah. Well, that was a shame. Well, I was, I mean, I was thankful to go to either one cause I was just aching to get to go to a race or something just on the media side of things. So, um, I wanted to ask you, I heard your interview with Greg Tatarian a few years ago and he did the racing, I'm sorry, he did the, uh, the vintage racing podcast. And I thought your episode with him was just sensational. Um, <laughs> I, I, I still remember the stories you told, uh, during that interview and it was related to, and, and how you love Thunder Hill. And I'd like to, you know, if we could talk about the new event coming up in June, that'd be great. So what do you got? <laughs> Um, well, actually, the, I started racing back in uh, 72, and I yes. bought a, um, an Alfa Romeo GTA Junior off of uh, a friend uh, who had run it in the Trans Am. And, uh, it, you know, he ran it as a full 1600 just because the GTAs were at one point the kind of the hot car to have in the, in the, uh, the small car Trans Am, later named the 2.5 or yes. under 2.5 uh, Challenge. Right. And, uh, and and then the SCCA, for some strange reason, decided after allowing the GTAs for, oh gosh, I guess seven years to run in the Trans Am, they declared them illegal. Oh, wow. And, uh, uh, and, and they were not even legal as B sedans, so you couldn't run them in SCCA club races. And to make the rule even more ridiculous, they said, but if you run the short stroke 1300 uh, GTA Junior, uh, you can run it in C sedan, so that's what I did. Oh, okay. Um, okay. How, how they decided, you know, the cars were identical: a B sedan sixteen hundred and a C sedan thirteen hundred were identical, other than the motors, and yet they made one out, uh, one illegal in B sedan. So uh, wow. I did that, and uh, 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 Norm, uh, John Norman and I were, were friends, and and got 
to know each other a lot better and yeah. built a motor up there. Did a lot of work on the car, uh, uh, both in Berkeley and, and down south, where I was working for another guy who was racing Alfa Romeos. Right. And uh, uh, Norm, uh, John Norman and I uh, uh, did basically all the West Coast races for uh, two or three years there. Um, you know, two, two races at, I don't know, Laguna and uh, Sears Point was kind of unpredictable back then. But, you know, did, did, uh, uh, Washington, you know, Seattle Raceway, Kent Raceway, whatever they call it. Oh, now. yeah, Pacific Raceway, uh, right. Yeah, and then uh, Portland, uh, uh, Riverside, uh, uh, Willow Springs, uh, um, I think there's. Oh, oh, and we did Westwood as well. There were some pro races at, at Westwood, and we did one. Oh, wow. Um, and and anyway, I, I sorry, I was telling you it's pretty flat, but but uh, if you if you uh, Normo is from you know there, there's a whole troop from Berkeley, and and we all kind of originally met. I guess well, the tie, the common tie was uh, uh, Cal basically. Yeah. And uh, Dan Marvin went to Cal, and so we all kind of hung out a little bit. And uh, uh, there, there's a thing that I refer to as Berkeley time, and Berkeley time is the normal time plus four to eight hours behind. <laughs> and and every time we would set out for a race, I would say, okay, you know, I'll be there at, uh, you know, what time are you going to leave? And he'd say five o'clock, and and okay, great, so I'll be there, and I I'm punctual, and I'd show up at five o'clock, and and eight hours later we'd leave for Portland, oh. and it was one of those events where we drive all all the way through the night. And arrive in time to go on, you know, through tech and onto the pre-grid. Yeah. And uh, I don't remember if I was in the same group as him, or I don't think we ran the B and the C sedans in the same group. But, but my recollection is I was in the car, so I, I don't really know what was going on. And John was in front, um, and they were waving him out on the uh, on the track, and he didn't move, oh. and uh, he was asleep. He fell asleep in the car. <laughs> oh man. <laughs> This yeah. was on the pace lap you know, of a I, race. I just can't remember oh, if it was wow. it was either going on the uh, I don't remember if it was going on the grid or maybe it was just uh, uh, the other guys telling, okay, John, let's go, you know, and I'm I'm let's go. And nothing's moving and he's you know catching some Z's as the expression was in that time. Yeah. <laughs> and not going the course. But it was a lot of fun. I mean, there was a big troop of us, uh uh gosh, that used to go. I mean, there was uh, you know, Jer Brown, Ivan Zarimba, Phil Riley. Um, uh, obviously Normo, Dan Marvin, um, uh, oh gosh, uh, I'm wow. having a senior moment all of a sudden. Oh, that's okay. That's <laughs> but, all right. But, but there were, there were a lot of us, believe me, it was sort of a, I think it was probably the formation of what was later called punk racing. Oh, really? Punk racing? Yeah. Punk racing ended up really being the kind of the later, a few years later when, uh, John Norman and Dan Marvin ran, uh, uh, marches in the formula atlantic series and they did that for oh gosh a lot of years or 10 years or oh my god at least 10 10 more than that more than 10 years now that was in like the mid to late 70s is that when ha when that happened uh well you know i'm gonna have to make the dates kind of approximate but john bought a lotus 69 right uh in in about uh i don't know i'm gonna say 1974 because i can't okay. think of anything else okay and and oh you know what and then Dan Marvin, uh, well, the two of them bought a Lola T360, yeah. and that's kind of the beginning of going Atlantic race. In fact, Dan, you know, Dan got the it was a used 360, and uh, that was when Villeneuve was just dominating the Atlantic series. Gilles yeah. Villeneuve was dominating it. Yeah, Gilles. and uh, they had I, I think it was an IMSA race 
for Formula Atlantic, you know, for the Canadian Series down at Laguna. Oh, right. And that was Dan's first race, and he put it on the pole ahead of Villeneuve. Oh, wow. Yeah, wow. yeah, it was a pretty impressive show. And then and then they kind of started evolving into, I don't know, I think they got some March 74s or something like that. Wow. And ran them, and then, I, and then 76s, and then even later... Uh, RT Rolf RT fours and then oh, yeah, Dan Rolf, won the yeah. champion. Wow! Yeah, Dan wow. ran won the championship in again. I'm I'm not sure the year '85. I'm going to say the the okay. W car was then called by then. Wow! So yeah, they did a ton of Atlantic racing and and were damned quick. I mean, uh, Dan Dan is one of the fastest drivers I've ever seen. Wow, that's amazing. I mean, I've I've seen him uh, drive that Brabham Formula One car in the historic Formula One series. That's a that's an iconic car with the Martini livery, right? Right, that's Phil Riley's car. Oh he, wow! He, he he bought that. Oh god, um, I'm I'm gonna say nineteen. I mean, maybe maybe nineteen eighty something like that. Nineteen eighty two somewhere. I think wow. someone or somewhere in there. Years kind of fly by, and I I think it was originally a BT forty two, and then he he kind of modified it into a, a you know it's a small change I think to a BT forty four. Okay. And uh, yeah, and and Dan drives it, and Ethan Shippard, uh, one of the board members of CSRG, drives it as well. Awesome. Awesome. So what, what would you say the state of the CSRG is right now this year, as far as membership goes and, and like people come in and, and well, car counts and stuff like that? Well, uh, first of all, I would say that last year, somehow or another, we pulled off a hell of a year. I mean, I'm just right. floored. I I'm still floored by it. And one thing we're, we're proud of, and I'll plug the club here, um, uh, the charity challenge in October that you mentioned, yes. you know, we raised money for the Speedway Children's Charities. And uh, uh, what was it? Two years ago, I think we, we crested $1 million that we've done in about the 15 events that we've we've done for them. Oh, wow. And uh, last year was one of the smaller gifts we gave to them, but we still gave 35000 bucks. Oh, wow. In, in, wow. A, in a horrible year. I mean, a COVID year. Yeah. And people really turned out. And, and uh, you know, we, we I mean, that's without... One of the big sources of, of uh, contributions we get is when we sell uh, car rides, three lap, hot lap car rides on Saturday and Sunday of of the charity challenge. You know, during the kind of the noon, middle of the day, put it that way. Yeah. And a person can buy a ride in a variety of cars from seventy five bucks to five hundred bucks for three laps, and it's a it's a ride. I mean, it is a serious ride. Yeah. And uh, and we didn't even have that. Last year, and yet we raised thirty-five thousand bucks. Oh, so, wow. Uh, wow! That's right. So, so we're very, very proud of that. Um, and as far as this year, it's a, you know, <laughs> everybody's getting a little old. So, right. so entries are down about ten percent. Okay. Uh, we we normally get about two hundred and ten cars uh, uh, for this event, and we're going to crest. I think we'll crest probably one eighty, one eighty-five. You know, we take entries right up to the weekend. Oh, yeah. And yeah. so. So we'll probably end up with about 180, 185, which, um, yeah, I never like to go backward, but, but frankly, compared to last year, it's, it's wonderful. And, and, uh, uh, and we've also got a, you know, the June race you mentioned at Laguna, which is the first time we've run at Laguna in, um, uh, I think, I think it's 20 years or 20 I, I gotta, years, I gotta I ask you, I mean, how huge is that event? I mean, I've heard that other members in the group get to go to Laguna for other stuff, but to have CSRG at Laguna Seca, that's gotta be, that's gotta be an amazing, uh, accomplishment. Yeah. I, you know, I'm, I'm kind of a cynic, uh, uh, 
at heart. And frequently when you talk to people, hey, look, we're going to have a race and you want to, you know, you have to come to this thing. It's really a neat thing, blah, blah, blah. Oh, yeah, yeah, great. I'll be there. You know, you can count on me. I'll be guaranteed. And then you never see him again. Oh, man. So a lot of people are saying that. And a lot of the board members think it's going to be a big weekend. But I'm always terrified as we come up to each event to you know, I'm 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 of the mind that what if I gave an event and only one person showed up? You know me. Oh man, no, I don't think <laughs> so, you have that problem. I don't think you have that problem. Those those. Well, I, I mean, we'll see. I mean, it's it it, it we'll see. It's uh, it, it's there's a lot of enthusiasm, but you know, proof is in the pudding if if people actually show up. Yeah, I'm really excited about it. I hope I get to go. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna bring my son out to the David Love Memorial races and expose him to historic racing cars and and the the great folks that are involved in it. You know, we saw my son and I, my family, we saw the Ford versus Ferrari movie and my son has completely turned around. All interests have been have have been focused on historic uh sports car racing just because of that movie and I am so excited to bring him out next weekend. It'll be great. Oh yeah, but yeah, Ford versus Ferrari, you know, I I'd always loved the GT40s. You know, that was as a kid watching uh, Chris Economaki oh, yeah. um on on a 13-inch black and white TV and you know, Ginther and Phil Hill and at, at Le Mans 64, uh, you know, that, that, that really resonated. And, you know, years later, in 1971, I uh, I was going to school, and uh, but during the summer, yeah. uh, uh, worked for a guy who was running the Trans Am series with an ex-Bud Moore Mustang. Mm. And uh, uh, we used to, this was on the East Coast, and, and we used to uh, have to go down to Spartanburg to to Bud Moore's place because they built our motors. Oh. So we made frequent trips down the, down the, uh, uh East coast. Right. And, uh, also happened to go to Holman Moody's for, I don't know why we were there, oh, wow. but, and this is now, you know, five, many years after the, the GT forties ran and in Holman Moody's, you would go in these enormous, uh, metal, uh, warehouses, uh, you know, just cement slabs with, with metal sides and that kind of thing. And, yeah. and they used to have, you, you'd go in them yeah. and, Oh, I know why we were there. I, I just remembered one of the guys, one of the crew had a, uh, uh, a 289 Cobra and you got to put it in context of the years. You know, this was a, a worthless car. I think he probably picked it up for about uh, three or 4,000 bucks back then. Oh and, and people were putting, uh, you know, you had the 427 Cobra, but but Holman and Moody had a, a, a huge supply of single overhead cam 427 Ford motors. Oh wow! And I think you could buy them for about a thousand bucks. And so that that's what we were doing down there. But anyway, you went into this warehouse, and there were GT40s stacked up three high. Oh my gosh! Yeah, and they were going for I think it was ten thousand bucks. If you wanted one, just ten thousand bucks, and you had to kind of piece it together. Uh, out of, you know, like they'd be stacked and I, I don't think they had uh, front or rear uh, uh, body pieces on it. You know, they took them off. I don't know why. Yeah. And and they had them stacked up there and I was just drooling because as I say, I, I, I loved the GT40s just as a kid, you know, oh, wow. watching them on TV. So, so uh, yeah, that, that always blew my mind. That's awesome. That's awesome. Did you ever get to go to Lamar or anything like that back you were, when you were a kid? No, I... You know, I was in France for for a couple of years. No, I wasn't 
you know, I went to France a couple of times, but it was never uh, in the right year. I think you know, I was there during the gas crunch. Oh, wow. And that's what, oh, no, 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 no. They, they were on strike. There were these big strikes. Was that related to the gas? I can't remember why it was related. You know, French are always going on strike. And uh, <laughs> uh, so, they, so they, had moved, they had moved the date, I think, to September or something like that. But I was there in June. Yeah. Um, uh, when the race theoretically would have been held, but oh my but uh, they moved it to September because of as I say, I'm sure it was strikes. I just can't remember what the what the motivation was. Okay, okay. Now, um, so CSRG has events at Sonoma Raceway. They also have events at Thunder Hill. And I was just wondering. I remember I remember hearing that you said you, that you love Thunder Hill. Why do you love Thunder Hill? Oh, Thunder Hill is uh, boy. First off, it it's slightly reminiscent of Riverside. Oh, really? Uh, and and uh, but I'm I'm kind of dating myself there because people would talk about Riverside near the end, and and almost in the in the next breath they would say, oh yeah, you know, bumpy old Riverside. Well, to me, Riverside was always pretty smooth. Although, uh, you know, it was way. I mean, this is back in the '70s uh, when I raced there. Yeah. And. Uh, uh, but Thunder Hill is just billiard table smooth. Yeah, it has runoff areas that allow you to to screw up and and not pay too dearly for it. Right. Um, it's run by a really enthusiastic crew. Uh, uh, you know, they really bend their bend over backward to to help you, help you put on an event and and uh, uh, schedule you and all that. I mean, they're really they're really enthusiasts. Um, and then you get down to the track uh, and there are so many good corners. Uh, you know, who gives a damn about the straightaway? I'm, <laughs> oh, yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah. I can drive down a straightaway as good as anybody, but in the corners, I suck. Oh. <laughs> but, but, um, but, you know, you get, for example, uh, uh, turn one is, is a fast left-hander that, you know, you're talking to a C-plus driver here, but, oh, yeah. but it, it's, it's a fast, not really blind, but you, you really need to pick the apex and, and hit it. And uh, I'm, I'm always lifting. <laughs> oh, wow. Um, and then you go blasting down a short straight into a turn two, which is constant radius. Oh, and that's really fun because even a, 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 a nimbob like me can kind of get the car, you know, sliding a little bit and, and just kind of on the edge more. And it's just, it's like a flat carousel from, from uh, Sears Point, okay. you know, where you're just in the corner for, relatively speaking, a long time. And then you spit out and an off camber uh, uh, turn three is, is kind of fun. Then you get into some twitchy stuff and up and over the hill. Yeah. But then the fun starts and you hit, uh, I always get this screwed up, seven, eight, and nine. Right. And you're accelerating out of whatever six, so this kind of weird little right-hander. And then into seven and, and you're accelerating more or less the whole time. So seven's, you know, fairly quick. I, I can't even remember what gear you're in. But you're, you got your foot full in it, even I do. Yeah. And uh, then up to eight, which is even faster, right? So you're still accelerating, and I think you're, you get fifth right after you come out of eight, and then you're coming up to nine. Mm. <laughs> it's really pucker time. You know, seven, eight, and nine kind of, uh, I'm stretching things, but but I'm going to say sort of appear the same because they're all left-handers, and you're, and you're going faster and faster, yeah. and nine, you just come flying through <laughs> like that. Oh. And then come up the uphill, nail the brakes, and up and over the top. Uh, and you got to commit. I, I remember a friend of mine, first time I ever went around there, 
it, it's blind up and over this <clears throat> the top this turn 10 i guess it is I, yeah. i'm not sure but um and you've really been flying, right? So he said, just focus on, I think there's a water tower off in the distance. And we were in his Alpha at the time. Mm. And I go, okay, great. Well, of course, I get in my formula car. <laughs> I can't see the damn water tower. <laughs> oh, man. You, you, you know, I'm a foot and a half lower, at least a foot and a half lower than where I was in his car. Oh. So so it takes a, a little bit of practice to, to figure out where to place the car so you can get, you can get on the gas really early. Um, even I can, but certainly not as early as the good drivers, and go flying up and over that and down the straightaway, and then kind of two, uh, a, a medium-speed left-hander and then a very tight one. And then you end up with the last two turns, which are sort of, I don't know, in a way you're sort of taking them together, but they're two distinct terms, turns, and and you just come flying out of that, that last one. Oh, wow. Um, uh, in fact, I remember asking Dan Marvin about the last turn there, and I said, uh, see, that's kind of a cool turn, and he's kind of a cynic like me. And he said, uh, he said, yeah, you know, it's a really good turn. If you if you lift or get screwed up, you can really <laughs> pitchfork yourself on the end of the pit wall. Oh man! <laughs> <laughs> which, which is, I don't know. It's, it's, you, you kind of had to be there when he said it. But oh, wow. uh, yeah, I think I think some Can Am car uh, wrecked there years ago. Maybe you saw it. It, it was at least. 12, 13, 14 years ago and, and really wrecked. Oh, I mean, didn't wow. hurt the driver, but oh, my did a job on the car. Oh, my god! But, yeah, it's just a really fun track. Uh, they've got a, a chef up there, and I mean a chef. Oh, yeah? By the name of Jim Stemmettel. I, I should remember his name. And, God, the meals he prepares. And, oh, wow. And, you know, the, part, the, the sad thing in, in, in this year still is that you know we have a big feast on Saturday night that really everybody's invited to yeah and uh, you know there's a lot of there are a lot of social aspects to to our events well all those are you know kaput at least in 2020 they were mm. and for the David Love you know we won't be doing any of that stuff we have a thing we call a mechanical picnic where you can if you're entered in a car for the weekend you can take people for rides during the midday okay. or you can swap cars with somebody else who has entered okay. and he drives your car. And it's just, it's at, you know, three quarter speed, but it's for about 45 minutes or an hour during the middle of the day. Okay. All that goes bye-bye in 2020. And I, I don't know if we'll be able to do it for 2021 at the David love, but hopefully as we get into the later ones, like Laguna, we'll be able to do again, it's called the mechanical picnic. Right. And hopefully in the latter part of the year, we can go back to having our dinners and, and kind of fun music and that kind of thing in the evening. That's we'll cool. See. That's cool. That's cool. Yeah. I mean, the, the whole deal is that, you know, the way we kind of promote CSRG is it's a, you know, family, it's camaraderie, that sort of thing. It's not just show up, get on the track, leave, go home and go to a restaurant. It's, it's more kind of, kind of, sounds sappy, but it's kind of, we all get to hang out and kind of have a good time. And no, really, but I, really I, it's, I love that. It's tailgating. It, it, yeah, it is tailgating. And I, I interviewed uh, Bob Pengraff and Becky Pengraff a couple days ago, and they they just love that formula that you have, that you bring everyone together, the the, the workers, uh, the, the corner workers and all the safety folks, all the media, all the drivers and all the all the organizers, they all come together and all the mechanics, you know, they all, they all talk to one another. It's just great. I love it. Yeah. It's, you know, uh, uh, we have a little bit of an ulterior motive to some extent, because if you've just driven somebody off the track, 
Oh. It, it's more difficult to do if you know you're going to have to face them at dinner that night. <laughs> oh goodness gracious! So, yeah, so right. it, it's a little bit of a, a little bit of politicking, so that everybody kind of you know there's a name to a face, and you know damn well that you 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 can't you can't do that kind of stuff if if you're then going to uh, uh, you know have a beer with them that evening. That's cool. That's cool. Well, that's good thinking. Now, now let me make sure I get your the name of your car right. It's called a Pallister Winkleman. Is that right? Yeah, I, I use <laughs> I use the full formal name, which is Palliser Winkleman, and that's simply because people don't know it. First off, oh yeah, and it's an interesting uh, uh, car in that uh, uh, there was a well-known driver, and actually he was a pilot for BOAC back in the '60s and '70s by the name of Hugh Dibley. Oh wow! Uh, and his full name was Hugh Palliser Dibley. Oh, wow. He's a good driver, damn good driver, wow. and he got together with a designer that was at Brabham mm. who did the BT-21s. Okay. And they decided with Bob Winkleman, who had a, uh, a, a performance shop in Sausalito uh, and who distributed a lot of Ford of England race parts out of his business. And the three of them got together and decided, hey, we need to build a, a car for the big fat Americans. And, uh, and, and so they did that. The car literally was, was constructed with in part the idea that, uh, uh, it would fit a larger driver. So they had a place, uh, well, they created a place called Palliser and Palliser built the cars, designed and built the cars per, per Len Wimhurst was the designer and Len Wimhurst uh, designed the car. Palliser built them and they were sold and raced in England and Europe as Pallisers, but they were called Winkleman's because Bob Winkleman distributed them in the U.S. Oh wow! And uh, they did everything. They did uh, Fords, uh, Super Vs, uh, Formula B cars. They, in fact, they were the first Formula Atlantic champion in England with Vern Schuppen. Oh wow! Uh, Schuppen driving. Um, are we, and are we talking early seventies hmm? here? Yeah, the first, uh, when was the first Atlantic championship? I think it was in 71. Okay. Uh, was the first Formula Atlantic. I can't remember what they called the series. Um, you know, they had a title sponsor. And, uh, uh, yeah, so Chupin won that. And uh, the cars were damn strong. I mean, to, to, almost to a fault. You, 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 if you, uh, you couldn't really tear a corner off of it like you could with a Titan, let's say, on a uh, Formula Ford. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, but because you couldn't tear it off, it would damage the chassis when you crashed. Oh my gosh! Um, and and I went after I was done racing a uh, the Alpha, I bought a Winkleman Formula mm-hmm. Ford. Mm-hmm. Oh and, right, right, and, right, right. But it was more a coincidence. But I was working for a company that the, a racing company back then, and and Phil Riley had just uh, he had just bought a Winkleman Formula B car. Mm. And, uh, and, and you see, we had Tom Crowther working at, this was at Huffaker Engineering, right. and Tom Crowther had worked for Winkleman for an, a few years, and had, when they closed shop, he came over to Huffaker, and Phil bought a B car uh, that he never drove. Uh, John Woodner, who was a well-known racer back in the day, came up and said, look, at, uh, you've got the car, uh, I'll get uh, uh, Huffaker to build the motors, and we'll take it... Uh, to the, the what was called the Continental Series then, which was a really popular series for Formula B cars, oh, wow. and they turned it, they they modified it heavily, mm. and called it the X car because they couldn't come up with a name for it, 
And um, in, in about 2000, uh, I don't know, seven, I'm going to say, mm-hmm. I was talking to my good buddy, Mark Blaze, who was another fellow employee at, at Huffaker. And uh, we thought, I said, you know, I, I want to get a, I want to get the X car. I want to find it. Oh. And uh, it took about a year and I found it up, uh, uh, up in uh, Humboldt County. Oh yeah. 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 Um, and, and we ended up buying, we found the X car and it was horrible shape. Oh. Got that. And then, um, and then there was a, the, the guy had, uh, his name was Don McGreevy. He had a bunch of, cars hanging from the rafters in a, in a sort of a warehouse, uh, uh thing, uh, up in the boy, up in the trees in Humboldt County, man. Oh, I think goodness. we stayed in, in, uh, uh, Gert, not Guerneville. What the heck? I can't remember what the name so of the Gualala, is. Maybe Gualala, maybe. No, 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 but you're close. You, you got the right idea. So, okay. um, uh, uh, God, I can't remember the name of it, but I mean, we, we had to drive for 45 minutes for like eight miles away oh. to get to the cars. Wow. And uh, so we, we ended up buying um, uh, the X car. Yeah. And uh, uh, we we got a, <laughs> a 19, I think about a 1939 uh, Ford Dooley with a big water tank on the back of it. You can imagine what the water tank is probably used for. Oh, my gosh. Um, yeah. And uh, we, we bought that. We decided we we're going to turn that into a tow vehicle. That never happened, but we sold it. And then we went back up because there was a second Winkleman there, uh, B car that a guy by the name of, uh, Skip Adrian raced very successfully in the, uh, 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 continental championship. Wow. Uh, he was really quick in it and he's a professor down uh, in the central Valley the college in the central Valley. Wow. Um, you know, one of the Cal campuses. And, uh, so we bought that one and, uh, and then they had a Winkleman Formula Ford there, and and Don McGreevy uh, said, "Hey, you can have that one too. Just take and get it out of here." Oh wow! So we ended up we ended up with three Winkelmans and a, and a Dodge Dually, huh. a Ford Dually. Um, wait a minute, was there another car? I can't remember. And we hauled all those back down and uh, restored the two Formula B cars, and uh, uh, we made the 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 X car so trick that. I couldn't fit in it. Oh. <laughs> so Mark drove that one and then he sold it on about three years ago. And, and I've run the, uh, the other, the other, uh, Winkleman, uh, ever since. Okay. Uh, uh, so yeah, <laughs> weird times. That is so cool. I mean, I remember that story and, uh, yeah, it was just, it was just like way out in the middle of nowhere and you find these cars on the rafters. Wow. That's crazy. Yeah. Garberville uh, is what I was thinking. Oh, Garberville. Garberville. Okay. Garberville. Garberville. All right. Yeah, and then it was a forty-five minute drive, but it was only I don't know, I think it was eight or ten miles away. Wow. Uh, yeah, it was it was remote to say the least. Um, wow. And there were tons of cars in there. I mean, my God, he had two Formula Five Thousand cars. He had a Lotus Twenty Three with a Buick in the back. Whoa. You know, Buick V Eight. Yeah. He had um, a Lotus Sixty One Formula Ford. He had a um, he had a, oh gosh, what was his name? Bill. Uh, it was a second generation Can Am car that, oh golly, I, I'll think of his name in a bit. Um, okay. But there was just a ton of stuff up there. I mean, there was a Cosworth Vega sitting outside the warehouse. Wow. Just a lot of neat stuff, believe it or not. Wow. Wow. I had a guy, I, I interviewed Bud Moeller a few week, a few days ago, and there was one of his friends that he hadn't seen since high school. And he was asking me about Sacramento. And I mean, not to change the subject or anything, but like finding, 
interesting stuff in sort of oddball places. He said that he used to live here and he went to a speed shop and he found a BRM H16 engine in the speed shop on an engine stand. And he was asking me, wow. what the heck happened to that? And I was asking the car group here in Sacramento where, and nobody, nobody really knows, but, but man, that's, I mean, it's, it's like, you never know what you're going to find in, in these sort of, you know, different oh. sort of remote locations. Oh, it, it's remarkable. You know, uh, when I'm trying to remember the year, I'm going to say 1969 Wow. and, uh, a friend of mine who built uh, motors for George, George Bolthoff, oh, uh, wow. for the Can-Am series, uh, then got a job with McLaren in the, in the Can-Am. Um, I, I don't, God, it's amazing how much your memory kind of, um, checks out on you here, but, yeah. but his name was Frank and, and he, he decided one time, let's go down to, uh, Los Angeles yeah. and he had ins right with Shelby and all that. And Shelby by then was was well on his way to closing his shop. And, and, uh, he said, Shelby will let me, he had a, a 271 horsepower, uh, what do you K code Mustang notchback wow. that, you know, a 60, like a, whatever, 65, 66 first generation kind of thing. Wow. And he said, let's, let's go down there. We'll, um, uh, we get full access to Shelby's parts bin and we'll build a race car out of it and, and run it, uh, at, I, I I'm going to say April or May races at Riverside, that was uh, I think it was the same same weekend as the as the Formula 5000 uh, race. It w- uh, might not have been called the LN LNM wow. series, but it was wow. it was that weekend. So so we were in I guess it was the LAX uh, buildings uh, uh, or the ones close to LAX that oh, Shelby yeah. had. I'm yeah. not I'm not even sure of that. Just these enormous warehouses, and yeah. and it was kind of like. It was kind of like being in a bunch of fjords where you'd where you'd see these warehouses going off and, and fingers all around you. I mean, I, I can't tell you how many square feet it was, but we're talking, you know, uh, I'm going to say on the order of a couple hundred thousand square feet. And and as it got closer and closer to the race weekend, you had Formula Five thousand guys showing up to to kind of work on the cars. I remember George Eaton showing up with his M- McLaren M10, wow. and uh, uh, and and that sort of thing. But at any rate. Uh, you know, you say you run across the not really the oddest of things, but some real gems around one of these fjords. I'm going to say yeah. were two uh, Shelby Daytona coupes. Oh my god! And and uh, Carol Smith was still working with Shelby at that time. And uh, I, I I mean I knew him by photographs, right? You know, and all that kind of thing. But but I didn't know him personally. And right. and I'm just sitting there just drooling over these uh, Daytona coupes. Oh, wow. And he said, well. You know, why don't you buy it? He said it's uh, thirty five hundred for the almost complete one, and you can steal parts from the other car to finish it, or fifty five hundred for both cars. Oh my gosh! And and I'm just going, oh boy, you know, and I'm a college kid and all that kind of thing, and I don't, I, I don't know what I'm talking about. So wow. so I started calling my dad, saying, hey dad, I got a deal for you. This oh. is this is just fantastic. Wow. And my father was a, a very reserved guy, and and. Uh, 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 so I called him and, uh, this is going to be great, dad. You know, we're we going to get this thing and we'll get a truck and haul him up there and blah, blah, blah. And he goes, uh, thanks, but, uh, I think we'll pass on that one lock. Uh, you go finish college. Right. Oh, wow. And then the next night I called him again and again and again. And my father was a very patient guy. Right. And finally, after many nights of calling every single night 
And you got to realize I'm, I'm feeding dimes into a phone booth, you know, no cell phones in those days. Oh yeah. Trying yeah. to convince my father. And, uh, uh, and, those became known between my father and myself as the LA phone calls. <laughs> and, and it was many years later that, that, that we saw the cars at the uh, Pebble beach concourse. Oh yeah. And uh, I said, Hey dad, take a look. And he, and he, he, it was pretty simple for him to put two and two together. He said, Oh, he said, LA phone calls. <laughs> oh goodness gracious. Yeah, that that was tough on that and the four GTs. I I didn't call them about the four GTs because that was a couple of years later, and I knew I wouldn't get anywhere with it. <laughs> wow, wow. Yeah. Now yeah. I gotta yeah. I gotta mention you mentioned your dad, and I gotta I gotta mention something that I found a few months ago that I messaged you about. I I love golf, and I found a program from the the Bing Crosby clam bake at Pebble Beach, and I saw your name in it. Now you got yeah. to play that tournament a few times, didn't you? Yeah, I, I played in it. Uh, I think the first one was '67, and the last one was '92. I think. Oh my gosh! Unbelievable. Yeah, yeah. It was. It was a lot of fun. It was. Uh, uh, it, uh, the only. The only drawback was uh, uh, when I went to college from '68 to '72. Okay. You know, the four years. Yeah. And in those four years, uh, the NC2A said if you play in any pro-am as an amateur if you play in any pro-am you're ineligible for collegiate play oh wow and i was going to cal at the time and but it, it was more fun for me to you know i got plenty of tournaments i could play in uh without playing <clears throat> excuse me playing college golf right. so i always chose i mean heck i was going to play in the crosby i wouldn't <laughs> you know it was just fun and it, awesome. a real chance to kind of see the tour players and a good friend of mine was a was a pro golfer and we played a number of time uh, together in that. And that, that's actually when we won it. You, you won the pro-am part of it once. Yeah. In 74. Oh my God. Who'd you play with? Johnny Miller, Johnny Miller, you know, Johnny Miller. Yeah, I grew up with him. Oh my God. That's amazing. I'm a huge, I'm yeah. a huge historic racing fan and golf fan. Oh my gosh. Have you, uh, have you yeah, talked Johnny Miller, Miller for my I... golf po- podcast? Yeah, well, Miller and I—I'll send you photographs. You'll get a kick out of this one. Oh, wow. but, uh, uh, yeah, Miller. I mean, it's—it's—it's it's, it's kind of trite to say, but but we were kind of twins. Okay. You know, we 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 looked the same. Of course, that was pre-glasses days for me, and we were skinny, long-haired blonde guy, blonde kids, right? Yeah. And um, uh, yeah, I started—I uh, I started playing golf at six. I right. was almost seven. Right. And uh, then, and Johnny was—I think Johnny's like. God, I was new track. Uh, maybe two or three years older than me. Right. And uh, so we we uh, uh, started playing. Uh, I don't know. I think I was about fourteen, something like that. Wow. And uh, well, yeah, we played a ton of golf. And then he went on the tour in '69, and uh, there were he had seven sponsors or, or seven guys who I think it was seven uh, who all chipped in to. to put him on the tour mm. and he played with, uh, the, he played with the sponsors in like the first three years, let's say 69, 70, 71, 72, let's say. Oh, wow. And then he and I started playing in 73 and played from about 73 to, oh, man, I've lost track. I'm, I'm going to say to 83, Okay, 84 played, played in them. And then, 
we played maybe two or three more times from 83 to about 92. Wow. Uh, uh, I can't remember that. <laughs> I'll tell you, <laughs> one time, <laughs> oh, I remember we, we, we were we were showing a lot of potential. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and we got to the 18th at Pebble Beach, and I kind of grew up down there. I mean, I know the courses really well. Yeah. And, uh, and uh, we both put our third shots on 18. It was kind of a, a little bit of a blustery, windy day, and, and, and we kind of got caught out and both put our third shots in the right-hand bunker uh, uh, in front of the green. Right. And it had been raining, and, and sand was pretty damn well packed. Right. And actually, I'm dig- digressing here about golf, but, but I'll, I'll spare you this. And, and we're about a foot apart in the bunker. Okay. okay. And Johnny's out. So oh, wow. I, 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 I have to mark my ball kind of in the bunker and get it out of the way. Right. And, um, yeah, I figured, okay, good. This is giving me a good opportunity. And it wasn't a tough bunker shot. I mean, everything, it was all systems go, everything good. And Johnny clips it and sends it over the green. I can't remember if he put it in the ocean. Oh man. Or, or a horrible thing. And he looks at me and says, Hey, good luck. <laughs> <laughs> and, and so I kind of hit a mediocre shot out, you know, maybe a 12 footer to try and save par. And I missed it. And we missed the cut by one shot. Oh, so man. It, was, it was a pretty ugly 18th hole. And we really were playing better than our score. And I thought, God, if we could just get you know, get hitting it right. We weren't hamming and ham and egging very well. So that's it. Wow. <laughs> a lot of good stories. That's awesome. a lot of good, good play, good players. A lot. I had a lot of fun. That's awesome. Well, Locke, I really want to thank you. And this podcast is primarily about racing, his sport, sports car racing, but I also do a golf podcast and I'll probably put that little bit in my golf podcast as well. But, um, <laughs> All right. but yeah, I appreciate the time and great. Good luck this weekend. Um, I'll be there Saturday. I hope I hope I get to see you and you know have have a great time. Thanks for having ha, thanks for having me again next uh, next week. Thank you. Sure. Yeah. Come on by and say hello. Be in the garage. <laughs> I will. Hey. Thanks a lot. God bless you. Thanks. And uh, thanks, have, Ben. You're welcome. Have a good day. And thanks All for right. listening Bye. to the Racing Air Podcast. Bye.